Hello and welcome to the Series 8 of the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk founder and CEO, Jeremy Gottschalk. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and leaders from the marketplace and digital platform ecosystem, with the goal of providing valuable real-world lessons that can be leveraged by you, the listener, to help you launch, grow, and succeed. Please note, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerace.com for more information. Welcome to the Platform Podcast. On today's episode, we welcome Steve Craig, uh, who's the founder of Peak IDV. Steve, it's great to have you back with us. Uh, this is your second appearance on the Platform Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again, Jeremy. Excellent. Uh, you are more than welcome, and thank you. Um, I figured we would uh, we could start with you telling us a bit about Peak IDV um, and kind of your background that led you to create it. Absolutely. So I'm founder and chief enablement officer at Peak IDV. I refer to myself as an enablement officer because the goal of Peak IDV is really to help the broader ecosystem of digital identity, which includes providers, practitioners, investors, those are using the technologies to enable them to become experts. And the way that I do that is through curated insights. I teach uh, virtual uh, courses of which we've done one together. Um, and really trying to help people understand the do's and don'ts of digital identity, because I think when we do digital identity right, we all win as consumers, we win as businesses, and we're just better off for as a society. For sure, for sure. I mean, I think I've, I, you've heard me say this a million times, and and uh, I know we'll talk a little bit about just how crucial identity is uh, in a uh, internet uh, kind of technological first world. But how did you get into digital identity? Yeah, it wasn't one where I, you know, I've been thinking about digital identity my whole life. It was serendipitous. Um, and I've been in the space now for about eight years. Prior to working in digital identity, I had worked in internet technology companies. Um, I was one of the early users of the internet as a teen in the 90s, not to, to date myself. And I continued to stay connected to technology. Uh, I worked in a bank once. I started to work in a fintech company. Um, and then ultimately, I, I got into payments and loyalty in the mobile world before landing at one of the top companies in IDV, one of the companies that invented the mobile check deposit. And from there, I was exposed to just how complicated it was for companies to prove who you are, um, first in, in the web uh, world, but, but then in mobile. And so I've been in it ever since. And so let's dive into that a little bit. Why uh, explain to people why identity verification is so important in today's online ecosystem? Yeah, the, the thing with identity is when you think about how the internet was formed, there's this great quote from Kim Cameron, who was an early identity architect at Microsoft. His quote is, the internet was built without a way to know who or what you're connecting to. I think that was one of the really big selling points of the internet was this anonymity where anyone could be anyone on the internet. And it gave um, this platform, this this voice to vo voiceless people out in the world to be able to, to communicate and exchange ideas. But with anonymity also comes bad actors and malicious intent and people trying to take advantage of the fact that if you don't know who they are, uh, then you can't 
um, persecute them for bad, bad deeds and, and bad activities. And so as the internet has grown and as more and more commerce has moved online, you've seen more and more bad activity occur. And some of it is, is um, benign as someone just kind of doing a ripoff on a, you know, like a Best Buy all the way through to really sophisticated uh, money laundering engines, uh, criminal, front, uh, criminal um, rings, and situations where people are getting physically harmed because they're getting put in situations with a person who's not really who they claim to be. And it's one of the key things I think you just said there is organization around um, online crime. Uh, Someone said this, and I think it was somewhat offhanded, but it it turns out to actually be uh, true, is that organized crime has really all gone online. um, And the level of organization uh, around some of these uh, scams and, and, and rings. And, and it's just mind boggling, um, especially having worked in technology for my, you know, most of my career to learn about this and to learn about how sophisticated and organized, um, it was, it's truly, truly, uh, startling. Yeah. If, if you think of what's happened in the last few years with all of the programs that were put out for, uh, helping people during the pandemic, there are um, criminal organizations who took advantage of that. There are rogue nation states that have sophisticated knock-like contact centers, all trying to defraud our financial ecosystem, trying to defraud our marketplaces and our platforms. And they're doing it at the like a level of sophistication that you would expect out of a Fortune 500 corporation. Um, and, and they're doing it right. at scale. And it's very hard to fight, fight that. Right, right, and 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 it seems I, I just did a episode with um, Shelby Grossman from um, Stanford, and um, one of the things that that we were talking about is just how um, behind we are, right? Like the the internet is has leapfrogged, um, and the bad actors have as well, and it seems like you know, we're now just really starting to, to appreciate it and, and catch up. And I think with AI, this is probably one of the first times as, a, as an industry, um, you know, the technologists are saying, hey, let's, let's try and anticipate how this is going to be misused. And I, I just don't think we did that as a society when with the advent of the internet, right? I think that most people thought this is great. Um, it's going to be leveraged for all these great things, uh, advanced uh, humanity and technology, et cetera. And then I think people started realizing, wait, we've got a problem. And are, you know, I feel like we're playing catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the evolution of the internet and internet technology is going from a source for just sharing information to one where we could transact and we could complete you know, financial transactions and we could build relationships with um, you know, social platforms and marketplaces like the ones that you serve. Uh, all of that has accelerated and we've seen so many great things from that. But then with it becomes, again, places for fraudulent activity to exist and to, to leverage and exploit all of those millions of people who are using those services. Right. No, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So let's talk about identity verification, um, both uh, in very simplistic terms, but also um, I'd love to get a little detailed. Uh, first and foremost, um, just for, for I think most people listening to this understand, but, you know, can you just talk about like identity verification is asking for an ID or a passport and selfie uh, and, and what other ways are there to accomplish this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating for the 
about nine years that I've been in this space, how people's perceptions of what identity verification or IDV are. Um, when I first started out, everyone thought IDV was the knowledge questions, was the uh, KBA asking information that came off your credit report that only you should know. And anytime you talked with a company, call it 2015, 2016, that was the status quo. Um, then this process of using an ID, a driver's license, a passport combined with a selfie, that really started to take off because that was a bit stronger than the KBA process, which with all the data breaches and the fact that people could look up your information online, that became a better way to do it. But that has now the way that most people think about IDB. So when I speak with marketplaces or this um, a training cohort that I recently did, that's what people think is the process when it's actually evolved to include a lot more sophisticated capabilities that could even be seamless for the end consumers. Things like leveraging of identity graphs, which are using advanced data science to make predictions about whether you are who you claim to be versus asking you for an ID or a selfie, or looking at device technologies that can use the thing you have in your pocket everywhere you go, combined with how you interact with that device to make predictions to ensure that it's really you. So IDV has really expanded in terms of the types of technologies that can be leveraged in different scenarios. And, and one of the things that uh, I've heard you speak about, I think that I think is really, really interesting, uh, and large, largely because, you know, obviously you're a subject matter expert in the space. I, I've been working with uh, technology companies, marketplaces, particularly for, for well over a decade. Um, and I never really, I, I've always appreciated that, you know, uh, digital identity is, is truly the cornerstone of trust and safety, right? You've got to know who you're, you're dealing with. Um, uh, and I also say that, you know, most people don't willingly commit crimes um, or do bad things with their, their own identity, right? Think, it, certainly people do. People are, you know, knuckleheads sometimes, but chances are, you know, I'm not going to, um, you know, commit fraud with my actual identity. Um, and one of the things I've, I've heard you talk about are the signals. And can you talk about, um, you know, the different signals when you're, when people are thinking through um, kind of how to identify somebody, kind of what signals are there available um, to, to even consider or collect? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the uh, research organization Gartner has a good model for this. They break identity into identity proofing and identity affirmation. And in the identity proofing model, they think about that as documents. They call that document-centric identity proofing. Um, I like to expand on those two categories. And I think about document-centric identity proofing is, is still being really fundamental to how we transact and prove identity online. But you also have this data-centric category, and you have a device or phone-centric category, which fits into their identity affirmation world. And in those, you're asking the end consumer in some cases to do things like supply information, but often in a data-centric or a device-centric modality, you're able to use information that you already have as part of the process. So as an example, if you're already collecting a name and an address and a date of birth as part of an enrollment, those same elements of personal information can be used in an identity graph combined with maybe information you have about that device to determine, hey, do we really think that this is the person that they're presenting themselves as? Or is there a red flag and we then have to um, 
jump over to a document proofing scenario or maybe some other manual process. So those three pillars, the document centric, the data centric, and the device centric are what I see as being the three options that companies, including marketplaces, have to be able to prove identity. And then oftentimes it's a combination of those and, and they're orchestrated with, with um, some of the platforms that provide those tools. And I want to I want to talk about marketplaces and, and platforms specifically, but but before we go on to that, I'm curious. You know, it, it, you've been in the industry um, for about a decade, and I know we, you talked about KBAs, um, those knowledge based authentication questions. Um, it, it, I'm curious your kind of your view on how identity verification has evolved, kind of over the last decade or so that you've been in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I alluded to this with the the K, KBA to DOC verification transition. Uh, it's it's funny though that knowledge based authentication is, is still used. There's still many companies that provide that as a solution. Um, there are a lot of financial services companies that ask those questions as part of enrollment. But with the data breaches that have occurred over the last decade, with the fact that many people are posting sensitive financial details on their Facebook or information about themselves on an Instagram account, like these techniques have fallen really in this area of not effective. And so th- this emergence of alternative approaches has come as the technology has advanced too. Um, when we talk about the document-centric approaches using the camera, you needed smartphones to have cameras to be able to sure. take those pictures. And as the large platforms that produce that hardware like Apple, Samsung, Google have, have tried to improve the security of their devices, they've also created advanced technology features that can be used by identity verification companies. Perfect example is the Face ID system. There's a 3D depth map camera built into an iPhone that can detect if you're really there, if you're really a person. You don't always have access to that. And so there is a whole set of vendors that have emerged that can provide that liveness assurance through other means. And so it's created this uh, space of just in the last decade where you had maybe a few companies, you certainly had the large credit bureaus and data brokers, but now you have, I'm counting 200, 300 companies that have emerged that are solving identity in different play, you know, different ways and different approaches. So the evolution has, has been a lot of investment, um, but also a lot of innovation. It, it's funny you say that because when I, I went in-house, um, I practiced law for about seven years uh, at a big firm and then went in-house um, at, at Sitter City. And when I went in-house in 2010, there were so few uh, vendors and solution providers in the industry, and both digital identity, but uh, background screening companies, uh, you know, fraud uh, detection uh, services, and I mean, just in the last you know five years, even there's been such. It seems to be that there's been such advancement with technology, um, with um, the kind of opportunities to really secure platforms. Um, obviously. You know, fraudsters and bad actors are always going to be one step ahead, but um, the, the amount of technology and the amount of solutions that have come out just in the last few years is staggering. And what's even more interesting is, you know, one, one um, I think, way to tell how uh, necessary it is, is, you know, you just look at the, the amount of funding, uh, venture funding in particular, that's going into these solutions. I mean, there's, you know, v- VCs, I think, tend to do a really good job looking for, um, you know, product market fit, uh, the need, uh, the problem they're solving, et cetera. And so when you see that amount of money being um, 
pushed into uh, IDV, it's it's certainly telling, um, I think. But one of the things I, I want to go back and talk about, um, uh, you mentioned marketplaces and, and digital platforms. And this is a question actually that I get a lot um, that, you know, when do you uh, recommend a platform implement a solution? Um, is there a, a kind of a certain size, scale, um, you know, number of users? Kind of how do you approach that when when you're asked that question? Yeah, yeah. I, I've been asked that question a lot just in the last year because I'm in this role of being an independent uh, expert to provide knowledge about this space. And I don't have a, a necessarily an incentive to push a particular solution. Um, I think the problem of digital identity begins at, at day one. As soon as you have an application that's open beyond your friends and family beta, uh, you'll immediately have um, targets on your company for bad actors to see what they can get a- away with. And when I'm speaking with marketplace founders that are at the very early stage, perhaps they have seed or they haven't had pro- profit- profitability yet, operational expense is weighing on their mind. They also think about growth. They don't, they don't want to put in friction that would impede their ability to add new accounts. But the reality is you should be thinking about identity verification as a competitive advantage. If you're not thinking about that from day one, you'll end up in a situation like just a few months ago, there was a venture back company called IRL in real life. They were mm-hmm. experiencing explosive growth. Uh, they raised a ton of money. And then, boom, there's this TechCrunch article that they found 95% of their users were fake, that they were spammed accounts or bot accounts, and then that company imploded. So you run the risk of thinking you're having all this stellar growth, and you find that you have no humans in your platform. At the same time, you run the risk of letting the wrong bad actor in early on. They are dormant, or they're transacting normally, until one day they do something that you attribute as like, oh, they, why would they have done that? We, we'd background check this person or we, you know, if you didn't run the identity verification, you, you would have known that they're really who they are. And so my recommendation is think about it from the beginning, just like if you were building a fintech app where you have a regulated know your customer requirement and anti-money laundering requirement, think about it for your marketplaces. How are you going to address knowing who you're uh, members are that are coming into your app ecosystem. It's it's going to be so critical to the future success of your platform to do that early on. And yeah, I, I mean, I think that's uh, that's spot on. And and I guess a, a couple other things is, you know, I think at the beginning, um, let's say, you know, I say kind of the beginning of marketplaces and and platforms. You know, there's the eBay and Craigslist days. Um, you know, they were the OGs of the of the marketplace. And then, you know, I think they really hit the map with the Airbnb and Uber of everything first with Airbnb and Uber, but then the um, Airbnb and Uber of everything. And it, you know, I've, it always, it strikes me that, you know, it, it, people to this day are not um, paying enough attention to the um, identity piece. And, you know, if you've got people in your, in your ecosystem or on your platform who are not who they say they are, you know, I always say you can rest assured they're for some nefarious purpose. Now, maybe that's not 100% of the time true, but, um, you know, if you don't know, you can't say certain with certainty um, what they're up to. And, and anybody who's going to use an alias or a fake name or somebody else's credentials, et cetera, to me is, you know, you don't want them in your 
um, in your ecosystem or in your community. The other piece of it is at some point, if you think about it, you know, I think that there's an obligation to uh, an organization's stakeholders. So if it's a, you know, if it's a, a public, uh, publicly traded platform, um, you know, to their shareholders, uh, to, you know, the, if it's privately held, obviously to the owners, but to the employees, to all of the stakeholders who have, uh, you know, have invested in this, in a platform, uh, marketplace, technology uh, solution, whatever it is, right? You, I think you really owe an obligation to those stakeholders because you're really putting the entire your entire business at risk by by letting anybody in the front door. It's kind of like not locking your door uh, when you go on vacation. So, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm totally with you. I've always, you know, I've always there's always that balance, right? Because at the beginning. They, you know, a founding team, they want to get a product out there, right? And they, everyone talks about like an MVP um, and, you know, testing it and, and, and uh, finding your product market fit and all of that stuff. But the reality is, is what I tell people is if you're not focused on this at the beginning, you're going to try and retrofit uh, something down the road. And it's simply not going to be as efficient or as cost effective if you're doing this down the road than at the beginning. So it's it's almost you know I don't know if it's as good of an analogy to say a, a, you know an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure or, or however that saying goes but it's this is one of those mission critical issues I think that for any platform and so I I, I don't want to beat a dead horse but I think you're spot on when you say you know really from the get go you should be focusing on it yeah it really needs to be factored into the business model of how you're going to acquire. A marketplace members, whether it's on a supply side or a demand side. And when you're dealing with that cold start problem where you're trying to build an ecosystem, you want to make sure that there's trust on both sides. And if I were an investor or a venture capitalist, and I'm thinking about making a large multi-million dollar investment in any company, one of the first questions in my due diligence list is going to be, what have you done to ensure the trust and safety of your community and that these are real individuals and that we're not going to have uh, a situation like the IRL app where you later find that they were fake because you just weren't verifying. Uh, right. Yeah, totally, completely, completely agree. So uh, turning uh, towards that um, angle, um, talk to uh, me about some best practices um, that you've seen with respect to choosing um, and implementing, implementing identity verification solutions. It's a good question because the the follow on when I say yes you you know should be doing identity verification I think the 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 look of sadness comes and it's like oh I have to put ID verification I have to ask for selfies now I have to do all these steps and the reality is you have a lot of different options on how you choose to verify individuals along a journey so the the first recommendation I have for a best practice is to really understand the demographics you're serving to understand the motivator for why this person is creating this account whether again they're a buyer or a seller or they're doing supply or demand and then think about the progressive and incremental process that you can apply Many of the applications in the fintech world, they have this down to a science. They know exactly what to ask, when to ask it, and then ultimately when you get through the whole journey, then they have a complete risk profile. They don't have the second screen be upload your driver's license. They may not even do that until you've already com completed the account opening process. So really thinking about the journey progressively and incrementally, maybe starting with 
a phone number validation or an email validation. And then as you build through the steps, ultimately on the path to transacting, think about having different signals for different risks situations and match the moment of risk. And you know when you have the, the most physical harm potential or the most uh, fraud loss potential, and then make sure you're applying uh, enough of a, a call it a, a hurdle or a, some companies call them fiery hoops, but you provide something that's going to deter fraud um, and make sure that you're, you're not in a situation where, where you've um, got much more of a loss than if you would have just checked the identity. And and uh, talking about how many solution providers there are, all of the different options, um, and, and this is this is a question that I've I've gotten a lot, and and I've seen a lot of uh, platforms kind of go it alone. Um, can you talk about you know if if they are trying to go it alone, um, or do you do you always need a, a solution provider? Are there ways to DIY this? In the last 10 years um, that I've been in this space, I've seen companies that, that do start with that mindset. They say, well, how hard can it be if we're just going to ask the user to upload a driver's license? We have people internally that can check that document and they can ensure that it's really that person. I think what the, the companies discover, and this is not just marketplaces, this could be even large regulated financial institutions, is that building out those internal teams and keeping them trained up on all the different permutations of identity documents or keeping them sort of hip to all the different scams and the fraud is very challenging. Um, that process doesn't scale. And many companies that have gone on their own eventually reach a point where they are not solving the problem. They're spending a lot of money on it and they eventually have these costs balloon and they realize, hey, we, we need to go and get some help. And the best analogy I can think of that would probably click with a lot of people is in today's modern technology world, like you don't go and build out a data center when you're building a new application. You go to a service like AWS or Microsoft Azure, and you use that because you're getting the uh, power of all of these years of knowledge immediately. So if you are going to build an identity strategy and you want to prevent fraud, you don't go and start from zero either. You leverage a platform that has a decade or two decades worth of experience that can accelerate you and ensure that you're able to solve this problem uh, efficiently and with a really positive return on your investment. Yeah, it's it's you know the the coolest thing to to have witnessed I, I would say over the last five ten years is the rapid growth uh, not only in the number of solution providers but also the technology that's been developed um, and so. You know, I my advice is similar. It's like you know, you, you could you know do something manually for a while that's not going to scale, um, and there's technology out there that's just it, it's so cutting edge and state of the art that that you know building that in from the beginning is, is in the long run I think is going to save a ton of time, certainly headache, um, but uh, yeah, I mean I think that that's that's dead on and when you're uh, when you're considering um, or evaluating a solution what are some top tips that that you give to trust and safety leaders as they're evaluating uh, various solutions yeah the, the first tip that I, I give is to be educated about the space and that was in part why I put together the boot camp in collaboration with Marketplace Risk was to help fraud and risk and trust and safety leaders understand the problem space, 
the challenges, the technology, like really be familiar with all of the options out there. Once you have a grounding in that, that gives you enough to be a little bit more dangerous in how you evaluate the solutions. Um, the things that I recommend looking at often are around speed, coverage, accuracy, really understanding how this particular solution is going to interact with your marketplace demographics and then the type of fraud attacks that you're going to see. And then know that the solution you select in the beginning uh, at a certain stage may not be the solution that carries you through to regional expansion or to global markets. You may have to evolve and adapt over time, but really having those initial considerations, um, what's important to you, and then really thinking about the business side of it, both the cost that you're spending in acquiring new platform members, uh, the cost of a fraud loss, and thinking about the expense of the different different signals and where you layer those in. There's a lot of math and a lot of calculation you have to do to make sure it pencils out to, to be a good fit for, for your uh, buying consideration. Right, right. I mean, I think that that's really key what you're building with Peak IDV because you know, having gone through this, um, and actually when I was in-house, we completely replatformed the site and, um, you know, gave us a really, per particularly for me being a non-technologist, um, it gave me really in-depth insight into all of these things that, um, you know, had, I think, had we uh, done it over or uh, the first time around, certainly if I were involved in that, there, there are a lot of things that, that I wish I would have known, right? Or, or we as a team would have known. Um, of course, my job being the lawyer and the head of trust and safety at the time, that, that was really where, where my focus was. But, you know, these these resources such as yourself just didn't exist, uh, That certainly that I was aware. And so I think a big part of, uh, you know, our motivation in, in, in putting this out there, particularly this content and, and, and having your participation is, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And um, th because this is so key to a kind of online, uh, safe and trusted community, um, uh, ecosystem, uh, buying process, transactions, et cetera, it's, you know, it's really important that people are aware of it. And uh, again, if you don't know what you don't know, it's kind of you have blinders. And so um, I think that, that all of that information is critical um, and, you know, uh, doing as much as we can to, to get it out there. Um, but when you, so one of the things when it comes to identity verification, you know, how do you think about kind of fraud versus scams, uh, when it comes to IDV? Mm -hmm. Identity fraud has also evolved over the, the past few years. Um, it, when we thought about identity theft 10 years ago, it was, you know, I've gotten Jeremy's personal information and I'm going to open a credit card in his name and try to do a run at, at the, the store. And then eventually he's going to see it on his credit report and report it. Um, that's evolved into other fraud techniques and attacks. Um, one is around synthetic identity, where you're just making up identities out of thin air using the credit bureau system. And then um, now if you're defrauding a, a bank, there's no Jeremy to raise his hand and say, hey, this is not me. Um, and so that's a, a, another um, attack. There's also fraud that's happening. You mentioned earlier that sometimes you know, people aren't going to use their real identity uh, to do something bad. Well, a lot of times people do use their real identity to do, to do something bad, and then they just claim it wasn't them. They say, that wasn't me. I didn't make that purchase or I, I didn't behave in that way. And without good identity verification, uh, there's no way that the companies could follow up on that. Um, what's getting a little bit more challenging, though, in the fraud world is, is the emergence of, of scams. 
And scams are not new. So there's been scams for as long as there have been people. And I think the main difference between the two is, is often the fraud is much more overt. Um, it's the fraudster trying to open the account or they're trying to use a platform in a certain way. Um, and it's you know, there's a third party attack uh, somehow. In a scam, the, the the person getting scammed is the victim. Uh, it's someone who's being duped into doing something against their best interest. Maybe it's installing some malicious software or giving remote access to their computer, or in the worst case, transferring money over. And that's very hard for identity verification uh, to detect because it really is that person. Uh, the person's really giving their credential um, and they're really making the, the transfer. So if you're a bank or a marketplace, it just looks normal. Like the device matches up. It's that person, even if you ask for a step up process, they could supply the information, but they've really just been duped. And I think it's getting harder and harder the more people are just interacting digitally to detect what's a scam and what's not um, and, and being vigilant about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's right. And I think we've seen a lot with um, uh, Barclays and Chase and all, you know, it, it, unfortunately, there's you, you can't you can't help people who don't want to help themselves. And I hate to say it like that, but these scammers are getting so good that that um, it's, you know, you, people have to uh, remain vigilant and really, really aware of, of, of um, the scams and, and the risks out there. So I, mean, I could talk about this all day, but uh, just uh, coming up on time, uh, one final question, um, and I'm curious, kind of, what you think is going to change over the next few years uh, in identity verification. The government is getting a lot more aggressive with regulation in industries where it hadn't before, and I think one of the really good examples is what was passed earlier this year uh, with the Informed Consumers Act, which is requiring now uh, marketplaces and platforms to do, it's like a KYC-like verification on high volume sellers. And the reason why they're doing that is they're trying to um, uh, prevent counterfeit goods and the fraud that's occurring. But I think more and more industries are going to need to do these KYC-like verifications that know your customer that the regulated financial institutions have been doing for years in order to maintain trust and safety. And if you're not doing it uh, proactively, there will come a point in time where there will be a regulation that you will have to do because it's required. Um, at the same time, um, I think we're seeing, and you alluded to this earlier, just dramatic progress in the growth of generative media and uh, these AI platforms where you can uh, very quickly deep fake a voice. And there's not a lot of governance in that. And so I also predict that um, in order for you to be able to create a deep fake even of yourself or to create some of this content, there's going to be an identity element to that where you either have to have proven your identity and attributed it to that content you're creating, or you have to, in, in some other way, um, kind of prove that you have the right to do that. And I think that this is an area that might take longer to get to in regulation, but that's going to push more fraud, more scams, and more activity until we get that figured out. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that you know, technology uh, has failed to self-regulate. And so, you know, it's it's about time now that, you know, the government has to step in because 
some particularly some of the big players um you know i think we had the opportunity um but i just think that the the self-regulation wasn't there and so you know i think that's i think you're right i think that's why we're seeing a lot more government regulation also in the uk the eu um obviously in the us as well so um hopefully one day it becomes more consistent uh, and uniform because obviously a lot of platforms are are operating cross border and so that comp- that becomes a compliance nightmare but um uh, listen, I really appreciate you being um, with me today. Uh, if people want to find you uh, or uh, nerd out about IDV, how can they get a hold of you? I think the best place is LinkedIn. I post a lot of content there, so connect with me or, or follow the content I post. Uh, certainly check out, I have a podcast, it's Executive Series. Um, you could Google that, the Peak IDV Executive Series. And the next uh, physical event I'll be at will, will be the Global Summit um, in London. Uh, end of October. So certainly connect with me there live. Excellent. Perfect. Um, well, it's, uh, like I said, I could talk about this forever and ever. Um, I appreciate your expertise, uh, your willingness to chat uh, identity verification with me. And um, I think there's a lot of really good information that'll be really useful. So I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Steve. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. You can check out more episodes at marketplacerace.com along with information about all of our conferences, summits, virtual content, and resources designed to help marketplaces and digital platforms launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on upcoming programs, events, and important news.